Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 451st ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened last week and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is easy, and that was attending last night's epic return of Tom Brady to Gillette Stadium in one of the biggest NFL regular season games in history. The game was absolutely fabulous with back and forth lead changes throughout. And it ended with Patriots, Nick Folk's 56 yard kick doinking off the left upright in the final minute, giving Brady yet another last minute win at Gillette, but this time as the opponent. Final score was 19 to 17, and the crowd was absolutely fabulous. It felt and looked and sounded like a playoff game. And one of the highlights was the crowd chanting Brady, Brady when he uh, first appeared on the field. And when the Bucks took the field, he got another nice ovation to say the least, big ovation. And then uh, when the game started, he got booed in classic Boston sports fan style. And so everybody was then all in on the Pats. And, of course, one of the highlights of the game early on, no surprise, was Tom Brady setting the all-time record for passing yardage. And they flashed it up on the video board. There was a little break uh, but they, the flash on the video board came up after the little break, which I guess was some type of acknowledgement of his uh, of his new record. And so that was nice as well. And the Patriots also did a very nice pregame video, about a little over a minute long, of Brady's uh, 20-year history at Gillette, which has uh, been like no other player in NFL history, uh, to say the least. Um, so it was just all the right touches were in place. Obviously, it's been the topic for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Brady and Belichick hugged quickly at midfield after the game, but then it's come out, and it's a big story up here in Boston that Belichick went over to the Bucks locker room and spent upwards of 20 minutes there. Uh, talking with Brady and whomever. And so that sounded like a nice touch, too. 
course, we saw the obligatory hugs with before the game with Brady and Patriots owner Bob Kraft. So I think that all in all, everybody just handled everything perfectly. Brady handled it, as always, perfectly leading up to the game, during the game, and of course after the game when basically it was like a, a reception line at a wedding where all the players, coaches, whomever uh, just lined up to shake Brady's hand after the game. And uh, and then in his post-game interview with Michelle Tafoya on NBC, Sunday Night Football, was he struck all the right chords. His post-game press conference again, he just said all the right things, acknowledging exactly the... Uh, you know, the gravity of the entire event for him. So, again, as always, Tom Brady just handled it beautifully. And I thought Belichick, uh, who's been portrayed by some in the media as uh, the villain in the relationship, so to speak, I thought in the end he handled it uh, very well. Uh, the key being he went over and talked personally with the uh, – with Brady after the game, by all accounts. So it was excellent. Uh, the crowd, again, one of the best uh, I've ever seen right there with any playoff game I've been to. And uh, one of the more popular jerseys you saw was uh, Brady Hybrid, which was half the jersey was the Patriots and the other half was the Bucks, with Brady's name on the back. And for instance, the one was like, uh, for his number 12, the one was on Patriots Blue and the two was on Buccaneers Red. So it was really cool, nice high-end game jerseys. And they were all over Gillette Stadium last night. So that was pretty cool. Lots of Bucks fans were there, people coming up from Tampa. It was really neat. And uh, so it really added a lot to the atmosphere as well. And, of course, there was a lot of people there uh, cheering for Brady, uh, Patriot fans, so to speak. So it was just really, again, a spectacular evening had by all, something I won't soon forget. Uh, been a longtime Patriot season ticket holder and really one of the most memorable games I've ever had the pleasure to attend. So loved it. And... Uh, that leads into my low light of the week, which is the stark reality that the Patriots, who played just a great game, and Bill Belichick contained Brady. Brady had no touchdown passes. That's kind of incredible. Um, a rare event, that's for sure. And, uh, and so he really did a good job game planning for Brady. And Brady did a good job being Brady, which was leading his team down the field for a game-winning field goal in the final few minutes of the game. Uh, so can't ask if, uh, just classic Tom Brady, but anyway, my low light of the week is that the Patriots are indeed now one and three, one win and three losses. That's uh, uh, new ground, new territory that the Patriots are not used to, uh, being in. And, uh, they flashed a graphic last night that, uh, teams that are one and three only make the playoffs 11% of the time. So that's not good. And then another team that I follow, 
Uh, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers, growing up in western Pennsylvania, and they're now 1-3 and three after losing to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, so, both the Steelers and the Patriots, pretty much staples in the playoffs for the last, oh, few decades, uh, are both 1-3, and three, which means they're both facing... Uh, an 11% chance of making the playoffs. So we'll see what happens, but it's uh, it's really an unusual position for these two franchises, to say the least. And the Bucks go home two and two, or excuse me, uh, three and one. They lost to the Rams last week, as we all know. So that was another factor. And the uh, Patriots had lost, of course, to the Saints the week before. So both teams came into last night's game with a lot, uh, uh, placing a lot of importance on a victory and both with a chip on their shoulder after losing the previous week. Uh, but anyway, the Bucks back to now at 3-1, and one, and, uh, and they're sure to be a force this year, no doubt, with uh, everybody returning. And by the way, let's not forget about Antonio Brown, who had a brief stint with the Patriots. Uh, he had a big game last night as well, uh, catching throws from Tom Brady. So, again, just a fascinating evening on so many levels. Uh, one of the cool things last night was, of course, uh, and this is the lead into my bizarre story of the week, was that the Red Sox uh, were mounting a comeback to win the game against the Nationals, which they were trailing 5-1 uh, late in the game. And the Red Sox mounted a rally in the 7th and the ninth. So this was all happening during, while people were arriving pregame at Patriot Place, uh, the area with restaurants and whatnot surrounding the stadium. They were packed, obviously. Uh, and we were in one, and the Red Sox game was on. It was absolutely riveting. And when uh, Rafael Devers hit the game winning two-run homer in the ninth inning, the place went absolutely crazy. And it was, uh, again, before the Patriots game even started, maybe an hour, probably two hours prior to Patriots kickoff, all happening within the shadow of Gillette. So again, just uh, uniquely uh, Boston event that we've been so fortunate to have up here for so many years, which is uh, multiple sports teams playing important games, often at the, practically the exact same time. And last night was a classic example of that. And that is, again, my bizarre story of the week, is how the Red Sox rose up in the late innings to tie and then win what was a crazy game, 162, final game of the season, setting up an epic wild card game tomorrow night in Fenway versus the Yankees. Uh, I will be there. I took a flyer last week on the possibility it might occur. And there were times during the past week when it looked very, very unlikely, uh, such as when they lost two or three to the Orioles and were down five, one yesterday. And the Yankees were having their own issues, losing the first two to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, who they finally defeated one nothing uh, in a game that was obviously gripping with tension down in Yankee Stadium, all happening again around the same time as the Red Sox, because very coolly, uh, 
it was very cool how Major League Baseball started every game at 3 p.m. Eastern yesterday. Uh, the Blue Jays won, but it didn't matter because both the Yankees and Red Sox won, and the Mariners lost. So the Blue Jays and Mariners, who were right there, will not be in the playoffs. And the Yankees-Red Sox tomorrow night. And it's, for me, been a long time coming. I've always, uh, one of the great sports events in my lifetime was Red Sox-Yankees, the famous 1978 playoff game at Fenway Park. Bucky Dent home run, we all remember that. And I vowed then that if they ever played a one-game winner-take-all, I would make every effort to be there, and I will be there tomorrow night, 8 o'clock from Fenway Park, and I am very, very excited for it, Uh, and the whole New England region, Boston, is just on fire suddenly with the Red Sox, and the anticipation is just off the charts for tomorrow night's game as we flip back and forth between football and baseball, and... uh, Tomorrow night, baseball will roll, perhaps beyond if the Red Sox win. But that is sure to be a very, very special evening. Just doesn't get any better. Cardinals, or excuse me, Cardinals. I was thinking the Cardinals are playing uh, the Dodgers on Wednesday in the NL wild card. But again, tomorrow night, Red Sox-Yankees from Fenway Park. Wild card game, winner take all. It's going to be must-see TV. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A Braveheart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. 
Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And AP, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you for having me on this show. And thank you, as always, for calling in. We have a lot of college football to get to, but AP, I spoke in the previous segment about uh, attending last night's epic return of Tom Brady to Gillette Stadium, but... What I wanted to ask you about was simply the performance by Mac Jones was off the charts, fabulous. And what he did last night in that environment, on that stage, uh, was an incredible performance. Everybody up here in New England who have already really liked Mac Jones, it went up another level last night to see him basically go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. Uh, in his return to Gillette. So I'm, I'm guessing that had to bring a smile to your face, knowing that you've covered Mac Jones and uh, throughout his college career at Alabama. And he's played on big stages before, as you well know, national championship games and whatnot. But he was really special last night, and it was great to see. It's so funny, as I watched that game last night, John, and I heard the announcers discussing his poise in the pocket, his touch, his accuracy, his ability to disseminate information quickly and release the ball in a timely manner is all the things that we have spoke about on this show uh, the entire uh, uh, last year and before that as well when he played in the Auburn game where he threw the two interceptions and they lost over there but brought his team back to the uh, brink of tying, I think it was tying the game at Auburn and and the the ball hit the um, upright I believe but there's right. there's nothing new that I saw from Mac Jones. It's the continuation of his exceptional ability at, to play the quarterback position. Exactly. It was just really uh, wonderful to see. And, you know, I, I've now seen him, you know, play three times in the last four weeks uh, in person at uh, the three Patriot home games. Uh, bottom line, last night they took the training wheels off. They really did. He was throwing more. He was throwing longer. And he was clearly up to the task. 
There was some trick plays, some razzle-dazzle on the Patriots' part, which was interesting as well. Uh, but again, you know, he's been very well received up here. Everybody really wants him to succeed for obvious reasons. And uh, he just rose to the uh, to the occasion last night. So, again, uh, he's just really on quite a fast track after only four games. Hard to believe uh, how far he's come and how good he looks. So, uh, rest assured, AP, they're loving him here in New England and, and with good reason. He is producing. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, John, because even Tom Brady needed his Adam Vinatieri and some other kickers, correct? Correct, absolutely. No question about it. Good to make good analogy. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was just great to see. But now let's move into actually the real college football. Um, and you were at a special event by any standards, which is simply Saturday night in Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and you were there live. Must have been fantastic. John, it was great. It sprinkled a little bit a few hours before the game. Uh, that was projected, and I was glad it quit, so the field was in good condition. And LSU came out, throwing to uh, Boutte, the wide receiver, the excellent wide receiver, Max Johnson. Right. Uh, you know, his, his, you know his dad was the quarterback of, at Florida State and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they won the Super Bowl, I believe. So uh, he's a left-hander, and he looked very good. But I was thinking about so Boutte might have 300 yards in receptions this this year if Auburn doesn't tighten up, and they did. They found him and located him defensively, and they were down 13 to nothing. Uh, Bo Nix, the much maligned quarterback of Auburn, he was uh, he, accurate with his throws. He yes. eluded the rush all night, John, and they had 74 yards rushing. And that first touchdown, he ran from one side of the field to the other before he threw a 24-yard touchdown pass. Um, I think that was a fourth down play, actually, to the tight end. That was his first reception, that, that particular tight end. So it was 13-7, to and they battled you know, throughout the rest of the game. Then Auburn had to make, I think it was a 92-yard, 11-play drive to go ahead with three minutes or so in the fourth quarter. And then the defense held on against Max Johnson and company. And Auburn came up with a road victory for the coach, an SEC road victory for Brian Harson, his very first. And that was the, the first time that Auburn had defeated LSU in Baton Rouge since 1999. Wow. That is good stuff, AP. And I did see that play. Uh, that has to make everybody's highlights. That was just an incredible play by Bo Nix, again, running just like across the field and then back again. And then completing it, uh, the play, and uh, he looked, you know, in, in total control. He really did. I mean, that was just a great football game. I was lucky enough to see the end of it, uh, and it was just really a riveting ending. And Bo Nix really took a big step forward. You know, uh, a, you know, he was on the, against Penn State a couple weeks ago in the whiteout, and uh yeah, played well that night, uh, but but took it to another level last night. He really just seems like he's put put it all together suddenly. Uh, the the announcers were certainly talking about that nonstop, how he looked just different mm-hmm. than he's looked 
previously in his career, which has been a little up and down. Yes. Yes. Hey, John, I think what he did on Saturday night, he threw more in, uh, in rhythm. And passing right. is all about rhythm and timing. And I think he had more of those plays, although he had to run from the, the excellent uh, pass rush by the uh, Bayou Bengals because they, I think, were leading the conference maybe six backs a game, something like that. Uh, I think it might even be the country, uh, if I could recall correctly, at one point. But I think that moving forward, John, he has to continue to be in the pocket and throw uh, a timely passes. And the offensive line has to improve so he's not running for his life and trying to make those plays because I don't think you can maintain that level of play in the Southeastern Conference and when you play some of these upper-level teams in the bowl. Right. Good point, AP. Totally agree. Well, Auburn is nothing if not experienced now in uh, playing before a hostile crowd. I mean, two of the past three <laughs> Saturday nights, you know, the, the whiteout at Penn State, which you were there for that one, and then uh, playing in Death Valley on a Saturday night against LSU. I mean, these are just uh, uh, as big a stages as you can get and hostile environments as you can face. And Bo Nix showed up big time in both, as uh, as did Auburn as a whole. And uh, so really good stuff. And, you know, that's kind of on my bucket list, AP, is to attend a, uh, you know, a game in Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. Uh, by all accounts, it's one of the great things in all of sports, let alone college football. And, John, I'd like to point out that I thought the play calling was very good, and I'm referring to the three or four uh, flare passes to the left side to Sean Shivers, the uh, diminutive Auburn back, but he has good moves. He's able to elude the defender and make some first-down plays. And then Jarquez Hunter, the freshman, had a 44-yard play in that 92-yard drive. And then, of course, Tank Bigsby always um, runs the ball with authority. And oh, yeah, he's threw great. the ball, John, to, to, to the tight end for 102 yards. And he was targeted eight times and caught five or six, but he dropped a few as well, and so did some of the receivers. So but Bo would have had a better night if they caught all the passes. But I think that they can build on this because the next game, John, we'll discuss it probably a little bit, is against Georgia. And, my goodness, Georgia just uh, decimated Arkansas 37 to nothing. No one sure could have did. projected their score because Auburn looked like, I mean, Arkansas looked like the team that was ready to be in that top 10 and maybe even challenge somebody uh, with those four running backs and swarming defense, but, but Georgia took care of them. But I digress, and just Auburn, I thought it was a huge win for them to propel them uh, this season. I don't know what they're going to do against Georgia. I mean, no one solved that problem yet. So, but but Bo Nix, and, and I think, John, another thing about Bo Nix and T.J. Finley, I think Auburn's a team that will require the play of both quarterbacks to have a successful season. I think somewhere down the road, T.J. Finley will come in and make some big plays for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, you know, Auburn's a fascinating team. They just are, you, you, you know. Uh, let's just say they're they're certainly a quality team that nobody would ever dare take lightly, and uh, and you know they're give them credit they're always in the mix you know them well covered them for years uh, just covering the SEC 
And, uh, yeah, they, they, they always show up and put on a good performance. Uh, so they're playing Georgia this coming week. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And we saw Georgia's defensive line. I mean, they're amazing. They're very good. They've, they've got to be yes. the best in the country, one of the best in the country. And to shut a team out, John, in this day and age where, where Auburn is scoring, I mean, Auburn, like, like you mentioned, Auburn, Arkansas had played against Texas and Texas A&M and scored, I think, 40 against Texas and 20 against Texas A&M. And to shut them out, that, that's pretty, I mean, that's very impressive. Very, very. I watched the beginning of that game. And if you watch the beginning, you pretty much got the, got the picture pretty quickly. Their defense is amazing, especially that uh, block punt. Um, and, yes. yeah, they, they, again, Arkansas is having a fabulous season and uh, for them. And Georgia just shut them down in a big way. So uh, very, very impressed with Georgia, to say the least. And uh, AP, uh, hard to believe. We're already at the end of our first segment, so time for our first break. Uh, but we've only scratched the surface, and we have a lot more college football to get to on the other side. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. 
Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we talked about the Auburn-LSU game that you covered on Saturday night in Death Valley in Baton Rouge. Uh, And there was also a lot of other uh, fascinating results uh, in what is starting to shape up to be a pretty – you know, pretty fascinating college football season in general. But bottom line, uh, Oregon lost to Stanford in a spectacular overtime game. Uh, so why don't we why don't we jump there first? Because they're the highest ranked team to lose. They were number three, and uh, they took a tumble, to say the least, out of the uh, to uh, further down into towards the top ten. I think they fell six eight spots or whatever. So. Stanford scored on the last play of regulation to send it to overtime, and then they pulled it out. So, a uh, bit of a shocker there, to say the least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, John. I mean, how many times has Stanford run that fade pattern, which I do not like as the, the last play, but they ran it a number of times near the goal line. The, yep. The thing about Oregon is they have the better athletes in Stanford, and they just can't seem to consistently – focused on the fact that they're the better team and they should win these games. They they flip up every year. It, it's just they do. incredible how they they falter because there's no there's, there's not anybody who's saying that, oh, with Stanford, they have the better athlete. Right. Nobody would be they saying that. Game. Oh, Oregon has the better athlete, yeah. Oh, yeah, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, it's always like a track meet with Oregon, uh, which is, of course, a school famous for track, um, to say the least. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. let's not forget, this is the Oregon team that went into Columbus in week two, I believe, and beat the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Yeah. Kind of shocked the nation uh, and, you know, rose to number three. What else can you say? So th- this was, again, a significant uh a significant shocking result, really. It just was. Uh, but the game was in Stanford, you know, and they're a quality program, so uh, you just never know about these types of games. That's for darn sure. No. Uh, it's amazing that uh, you can walk into Columbus, Ohio, yep. win the ball game on the road early in the season when everybody's pretty healthy. And yep. then you're playing at Stanford, a team that the last few years has is, is not had the success of the past, and they end up bringing you to overtime and you lose the game. Correct. And, you know, I was watching that game uh, at the Penn State viewing party, and when Stanford scored on the last play of the game and sending it to overtime and then won, of course, People, the Penn, all the Penn State fans in attendance where I was, uh, went crazy for obvious reason that uh, Penn State would move up in the rankings. So now we have this coming. Penn, so Penn State uh, beat a very game Indiana team 
in a stripe out at Beaver Stadium on Saturday night, the night after number three, Iowa, now number three, had beaten, had really dismantled Maryland really? Uh, up in College Park, down in College Park, I should say. And so suddenly we have a monster matchup this Saturday night, or excuse me, Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, Penn State at Iowa. Number three versus number four. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, John, you know, Iowa, they have this tendency every once in a while to, to be in the mix uh, for having a team that with, with 10 victories, maybe a couple losses in a season, and they can go toe-to-toe with anybody because normally their offensive line is strong. They have a good running back. The quarterback is solid, and they throw that tight end, and they make enough plays on the perimeter to stay within reach. And the score sometimes is tight, and the field goal is the margin of victory, the last second touchdown. So I think Iowa and Penn State, I, looking at the game, I because I was playing at home, I'd have to pick the Hawkeyes at the moment. It, uh, I hear you. It's not some. It's not overwhelming. Yeah, it's not overwhelming. Like I said, I think it'll be a tight ball game because both teams are. I think they're they're pretty similar, actually. Oh, absolutely. They're very similar. Always have been, as a matter of fact. I was a, a yeah. very high quality program, and uh, I, I think it's going to be great. Penn State's going to clearly hang its hat on the fact that they went to Wisconsin to open the season and won there. Uh, we now know Wisconsin has not been having a good season, so. Uh, but nonetheless, yes. tough place to play in Camp Randall, no, still. And then, of course, uh, they beat Auburn at home in the whiteout. Penn State has a great defense, or, to say the least. I mean, it's all about their defense, and Sean Clifford, the quarterback's having, uh, you know, a great season as well. But as as Jahan Dotson, the fabulous wide receiver, but nonetheless. Uh, Yes. It's really, it feels like it's all about their defense so far. They look incredible, and defense travels, as we know. Absolutely. I think that uh, that game, John, and every once in a while I use this term, I don't tend to use it too much in this day and age because people score so much, but because I believe the score will be lower, the turnovers are gonna, will matter. Yes. I agree. It's going to be a slugfest, AP. Exactly what you would expect from these two programs that are fairly similar in their general style. Uh, And so that's going to be fun. And uh, AP, you know, uh, another big game uh, from the weekend. I mean, massive. We talked about three versus four on Saturday night. Uh, We should also talk about number five and uh, hats off to the University of Cincinnati. They went into South Bend and really uh, beat Notre Dame fairly handily. They were up 17-0, then Notre Dame starts to make some noise. They And you thought, well, maybe Cincinnati's going to fold, you know, in Notre Dame Stadium. Did not happen. They come back and scored that fourth quarter touchdown to put the game away. And very impressive in Cincinnati from uh, the American Conference is now the number five team in the nation, and they have a chance to get into the four to number four because either Penn State or Iowa is going to lose on uh, on Saturday night, which is going to open up a slot for Cincinnati. Uh, John, I think the happiest person in America. I thought about this as I was in uh, Baton Rouge 
is Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the AAC, because not only did they win, but they beat Notre Dame, which is always a, has a strong showing when they, it comes down to a vote. So I, I thought that was significant. Huge. I agree 100%. I knew you were going to say Mike because that's who I would say, Mike. You and I have covered the American Conference since its inception and on the assumption that Cincinnati could very well, a week from today, be the number four team in the nation uh, since Penn State or Iowa is going to drop down. when Since they play each other, somebody's going to lose. And AP, then the college football playoff committee, uh, not not now, maybe down the road, is going to face quite the choice, uh, given the American is not a Power Five conference. So Cincinnati, quality program, obviously a few good seasons in a row under Luke Fickle, and uh, we may finally get uh, the ultimate decision for the committee, right, AP? And will they or won't they, uh, you know, let a team like Cincinnati into the uh, Final Four playoffs. I, I think so. I, I think so, uh, John. But Cincinnati, I mean, they should receive one hundred percent credit for yep. winning that game at Notre Dame because Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. Did they have a streak twenty six games with a twenty six game something of that nature. They, yes, they absolutely. No doubt. So I yes. think that's yeah, that, that's that that's a a big number in this day and age for college football to have that streak. Yes, I mean, it's, you know, you don't get a much bigger signature victory than that one. You just don't. It's Notre Dame. You have great storylines. Brian Kelly, coach of Notre Dame, who broke yeah. Newt Rockney's record last week for most wins ever. He built the Cincinnati right. program. Yes. Uh, he, he turned them into a power, and Luke Fickle took it from there. And, of course, uh, yeah. And then it all paid off on uh, on Saturday in South Bend. So signature victory is is almost practically an understatement. Uh, and Notre Dame has been in the playoffs recently in the Final Four. So uh, the committee has to, in my mind, honor uh, what they've done uh, or what they did on Saturday for sure. Right. And, John, you mentioned that fact. That isn't that something Brian Kelly is to Notre Dame? Uh, yep. and plays against Cincinnati, his former team, and loses at home. And I'm thinking to myself, and I don't, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I would say, is there one athlete that Notre Dame tried to recruit on the Cincinnati roster? I'm thinking probably not. Right, exactly. And yet they won the game. That's a very good point, AP, to say the least. Well, um, Again, it's turning into a great college football season. So we're both loving it, as is all of America, all college football fans. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of changes. Teams in the top ten and top five we're not used to seeing uh, in those spots. So it's great. But, AP, actually, we're at the end of our third segment here together. So why don't we take our final break and show a few more things to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your health care needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Foxworth Theory is what you need now. Hosted by Eugenia Foxworth. Each show brings a unique guest from many walks of life. From authors and entertainers to artists, fashion, music, and business. You never know what your takeaway will be, but you'll definitely learn something new. It's a whole new type of talk show. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is the Red Sox-Yankees tomorrow night at Fenway in the wild card. Winner advances, loser goes home. So it should be a classic, classic event. I will be there and uh, very excited uh, and looking forward to it. But AP, now we're going to move back into uh, some major football games that we never even got a chance to discuss, uh, specifically, number one, Alabama, the team that you cover. John, um, that, was, that was a total shock because Nick Saban has a history uh, against exceptional quarterbacks. 
Twice he competed against Johnny Manziel. He put up humongous numbers. He never did stop him. Uh, also, Deshaun Watson of Clemson has mm-hmm. success against Alabama. And so I'm figuring that the quarterback who put up 647 yards last year against Alabama, the 48 points was the most against an Alabama team since they've been having the Associated Press poll in 1936 with an unranked team. Ole Miss had 48. Um, I'm believing in my heart that Ole Miss is going to put up 35 points. It's going to be the last team to possess the football, possibly as the winner. It was not the case. Uh, Nick Saban has a tendency to complicate the defenses, and his defensive coordinators, I think that's a slight uh, objection on their part through the years where he simplified, and because you have the fastest and best defenders, usually, so why complicate things? And they played uh, a fierce defense on Saturday and just shut Mississippi down, and the game was over before it was even started. They really did. You know, Matt Corral's Heisman uh, bid, and he may have been the front runner by many accounts, uh, definitely took a hit. Uh, although it'll be tempered, everybody gets how good Alabama is. But nonetheless, uh, he just couldn't do anything. What can you say? But that's the case with many teams and many quarterbacks as well. Uh, but they did bring him back to earth a little bit, but they just looked great. They really controlled that game. As you acknowledged, a Alabama has had trouble with Ole Miss in recent years. Uh, where Ole Miss is at minimum able to score with them. Uh, but that was not the case at all on uh, on Saturday. They just had a vice grip on that game, that's for sure. Yeah, so Alabama and Bryce Young, the quarterback, he, he continues to play very well, I think. Yes. John, I, I, be, I believe that probably Bryce is the Heisman Trophy leader at this moment. I think he and, might be after um, Saturday. He's very great. Yeah, I think at the very least he's going to get a trip to New York if he, if he plays out the season. He's very impressive, AP. He really is. Uh, and you've been telling us about him for a while. And everything you said is, is coming true now on the field, uh, that he's just, uh, a, just a terrific player, uh, despite him, you know, just this being the first season where he's been a starter for obvious reasons. Uh, given the recent lineage of Alabama quarterbacks, and uh, looks like he's following in those footsteps. And AP, there was another huge SEC game. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a shocker, but certainly a surprise. Uh, the Florida Gators versus Kentucky. Yeah, John, you know, Kentucky, they have a new quarterback to transfer from N State. You're probably familiar with him. He was more of a runner for the Nick Zions, but he's been throwing the ball for Kentucky. I don't think he's a high-percentage passer, but he's been right. getting the ball down the field a little bit better than, than Kentucky's done in the past. And they came out with that victory, not a lot of points. They're still playing good defense. I think the linebacker was the Walter Cam play, defensive player of the week, actually, and um, Brian Robinson Jr., the running back from Alabama, was the Walter Cam uh, offensive player of the week. So that's a huge victory for Mark Stoops because it's been a while since they've defeated the Gators up there in Lexington, I believe. Yes. It was something, AP. I mean, the crazy part was, and uh, the place where I watched the Penn State 
game, the Penn State viewing party, also doubles as a Florida Gator viewing party on a different level of the establishment. And AP, so I went up to watch the end of that game, and AP, there was like, the Gators had the ball inside the 10 for what seemed like six, seven, eight downs or more, and they just could not convert. Right, it right. was like, in, the Florida fans were very unhappy, to put it mildly, that that I was there with, that's for sure. Right. And this plea would be a John, one. just to update you on the, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, just to update you on the streak, John. Kentucky last beat Florida. It was in Gainesville. That was a 31-game losing streak in the series. And then in 1986 was the last home win for Kentucky over Florida. Um, where Florida had finished 6-5, and five and Kentucky was like 5-5-1. Five, five and one. So he's had two historic wins over Florida, and that's an Eastern Division foe. So that right. counts a lot, I think, in the eyes of the Kentucky fans. Yes, the excitement. Uh, in Lexington from the Kentucky fans was really, uh, you know, outstanding to watch. And Kentucky now uh, has, you know, shown themselves where pretty much every season it feels like, you know, they're pulling a big upset, typically at home, with, with kind of regularity, uh, if, if, if you see it the same way. Right, right. And, John, I'm thinking that one of these years, I mean – Kentucky's going to get themselves a couple of receivers. And I'm not sure why it hasn't happened as of yet, because you see there's a, an opening for somebody to be a dynamic playmaker on the perimeter, and you could play in the SEC. You're in the Eastern Division. You're playing against Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and South Carolina and, and uh, Vanderbilt on that side in Missouri. Um, you think that they can get a couple of junior college guys or at least one junior college player and some uh, excellent freshman to come on board and say, look, you, we're going to throw you the ball uh, 70 times a piece and either right. on both sides. And you're going right. to get every opportunity to be on film to the NFL that shows that you can play in the, uh, the best conference, the perceived best conference and contribute mightily. So, there's got to be an, uh, there's got to be a different sales pitch, I would think, because if you're getting the same result uh, as far as recruiting these wide receivers, uh, you got to change it, and then the quarterback position as well. Um, I think Will uh, Levis can do a good job for him. I, I think he has an opportunity to stay another year as well. I think John, I think that's the case, but um, they can get a little bit more offense, John. I'm telling you, they can oh, yeah. challenge Georgia because you only have to you only have to beat them one time. Just have That's to beat them one time and take care of your business with the other team. You're absolutely right, AP. And AP, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's been fun to listen to you uh, during this show. As always, uh, we love your analysis and uh, really appreciate you calling in with your expertise. Hey, John, it was my pleasure with the a tremendous weekend for college football, and we really had a great time watching the games and being in Baton Rouge, Death Valley, on a Saturday night. It sure was. It was a great weekend and many more to come. And as always, thank you, AP, for calling in. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time.
Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.